Hello and welcome to the first episode of United by Calcio. My name is Christian. And I'm Robbie. And we are your hosts for this first and hopefully the beginning of many episodes in this journey with you. This week, we'd like to start with a bit of a recap of the beginning of the Serie A season. This is the most wonderful league in the world, the best league in the world. Let's get that straight. Say it louder for the people in the back. <clears throat> uh, the best league in the world. <laughs> Friend heads out there, Serie A is a better league. Come at me. No, but really don't. Um, Jokes aside, let's begin, Robbie, shall we, with discussing the kind of quiet start to the season, right? I mean, I guess, but I'm one thing needs to be said. The Milan clubs, they are back. They're back. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. I mean, um, AC Milan are playing like they forgot the troubles of last season completely. It just feels like this is a new team. And I mean, it kind of is. Yeah, I mean, we talked over the summer just texting about like, oh, wow, they have a lot of transfers coming in, a lot of good things. And what was it, five, six years ago, they brought in 400 mil worth of players and it just hit the fan, went terrible, and they were back to the banter era. But first three games, they look Absolutely. good. Yeah, I mean, it's scary, honestly. I mean, and you have Giroud. I mean, honestly, when people crap on Giroud for no reason – he is a really good striker. I mean, this man is just fighting it out there. Like, I mean, CDK was not playing football from, the, from what I saw <laughs> anyways. Um, but this man at like, what, almost 40 years of age is, is just performing miracles out there. Yeah, I mean, he looks good. Back to goal, finds his wingers. I mean, the Pulisic. It's great to play with Pulisic, Leao, Teo. You can just hanging off to one of those and bang in the back of the net. Um, I mean, even though we saw that with two years ago when they won the, or yeah, when they won the title uh, with Zlatan, like Zlatan was plug and play, same thing. And now you just got to like for like, even though like all time wise, they're not the same, but right now Drew's been great. It's a, it's kind of amazing when you consider that last season, and we sort of we we had conversations about this towards the end of last season and over the summer. It seemed as though Milan had kind of run out of steam. Uh, it seemed like this project had sort of hit a wall. Um, whether I know I know we talked about Pioli and maybe not being the right fit. Uh, we talked for you know brief period about whether the ownership just wasn't doing enough to bring this club up to the next level. Or maybe the players just weren't clicking. Well, I mean, what what do you think was the 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 key thing that brought this team to the start this season? I think Pioli's done a great job. I mean, when Maldini got sacked, uh, there was a lot of questions. Obviously, like yeah. he was a reason why a lot of players wanted to stay. Tonali had just extended, Leao extended, and then Tonali's gone for seventy Absolutely. million to Newcastle, and yeah. it was very interesting. Like, what are they going to do now? post Maldini and they brought in like Rinders, Pulisic, Loftus-Cheek, all who have been unbelievable. And it seems like they just keep hitting on every signing and Pioli is just pulling the strings right. And there was always a lot of question marks with Pioli. And last season, like you said, they faded at the end. That Champions League fixture 
it was never closed Absolutely. when they yeah. got knocked out to enter. And now, it, I mean, we obviously have the fixture coming up this weekend, but it feels like a completely different team. Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. I mean, uh, it just seems like they've got a bit of a, a life in them again. Uh, this this feels, and and I do realize when I'm making this comparison, this team was not perfect, but it feels like the the, the Milan from two seasons ago, the, the Scudetto winning Milan team. That scrappy, a little more flashy, but still scrappy Milan team that can just get at you, uh, even if you're dominating possession. Yeah, I mean, that Milan team... <sighs> It still blows my mind how they won the title. It doesn't make sense yeah, to me because they weren't the best team. But hey, at yeah. the end of the day, over 38 games, they had the most points. Props them. They won. Um, but it just felt like they weren't always the best, but they found ways to get three points. Like the one I always think yeah, about true. is that Tenali goal against Lazio in the 90-plus minute. It just yep. – you were watching the game and all of a sudden, bang, it's in the back of the net and all of a sudden three points. How'd that happen? This team, yeah. it feels like they're going to get three points every time they step on the pitch. They're exciting. Really Their midfield is dominant. They just, it feels easy to them. It seems like it's, I mean, I, I would love to, you know, uh, borrow like a shred of their talent at this point. <laughs> um, just, you know, one one hundredth because it really does. You're right. It does seem like they are just clicking on all cylinders. And this is just a, the first of many, many cliches uh, I'm just going to use on, on this uh, show. So um, nonetheless, though, th- this team is just looking like they're they're out there having fun. And I know, again, that's another cliche, but it, it does seem like they're just happy out there on the field. And it does make a difference, right? Because you... To an extent, you contrast that team you see for the first three games against Juve this season, and there is a a difference in uh, difference in mentality, difference in what looks like the players getting along on the field. There's a certain energy that is just not the same. I, that's just what I've sort of picked up. Well, what's your take on that's that? That's fair. I feel like coming into the season, though, expectations might have been different. The expectations were high for Milan, but also we didn't really know what to expect. So now we see over the first three games, three games, they're high flying, they're having fun. They also haven't really had an easy fixture. Away to Bologna, away to Roma, home to Torino. Not one of those games is easy. You expect them to get probably at least five to seven points out of those fixtures but they were dominant and they yeah. won two not two not nil to bologna that's not an easy game as an inter fan i know that bologna has been our death <laughs> sentence yeah uh no, like torino 4-1 you don't just smash torino and then no. No. roma they've been solid in years past with Mourinho. this year who knows what's happening I mean, they are <laughs> a disaster. And that game, it ended 2-1. But Milan were down a man since, like, let's see, yeah. what minute was that red card? In the 61st minute. And yeah. it didn't feel like they were down a man. It, no. it was level. And then they scored in the 92nd minute to make it 2-1, make the scoreline look a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it's always troubling to me. Uh, I agree with you completely. It's always troubling to me when I see a team 
losing in a game when the opposition plays with 10 men. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand. So, like, there's talent differences, right? But but I, I don't... To me, that's not acceptable because you're telling me that your whole 11 are not as good as a collective 10 on that field? (laughs) Like, you've got a numerical disadvantage. If you can't exploit that, either there's bad coaching or the players just aren't working together enough. Yeah, and it took a while for Mourinho to make some subs. The red card happened in the 61st minute. Pioli in the 65th put on Kalulu, and it took until the 70th to get on Spinazzola uh, and Lukaku to really, like, bolster their offense. Like... As soon as that red card happens, Lukaku and Spinazzola got to be on immediately. Absolutely. And Absolutely. That's, those are your guys that are going right. to create opportunities. It just felt like nothing was happening. Oh, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, it, it, it is a little frustrating, I think, watching Mourinho, especially, I mean, we've talked about, like, last season, a lot of controversy around his behavior in the Europa League uh, final uh, against Sevilla. Uh, I mean, that that's a conversation for another day, <laughs> but I don't think we have enough time in this podcast. No, but no. I think he he complained so much during the offseason. Uh, his contract, he had all kinds of rumblings about uh, he's not getting enough players. Meanwhile, the, the Friedkins have invested a significant amount in attaining, uh, con- sorry, getting the right players and also buying the right players, but, you know, within their limits, right? Because... They were also running into FFB uh, issues uh, as well. He complains way too much with what he's given. I mean, he's given a decent team. He should be able to do more with this team. I agree. They should be a team that's consistently competing to make top four. They're not a Skidetto challenger. It no. just is what it is. And that's fine. Like They might have one of those one-off seasons where – a Napoli where you just win. You got to have at least one of those soon. Like I get, yes, they won the conference league. That's great. But before that they hadn't won a trophy since 2003. Like it was a long time. Um, But yeah, just, it feels like they're always punching under their weight. And then Mourinho always has an excuse. Well, I've injured players. Well, like Dybal is hurt. Well, Dybal is always hurt. It just is like he's an excellent player, so fun to yeah. watch, the best. But he's never on the field. It's you get. <laughs> I mean, you know this as a Juve fan. He's on the field for twenty games. Yeah. At some point, That's gonna kill you. Yeah. No, it's a, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, to be fair, they did. That was a gamble, right? That that was sort of the the flyer they took out on him. Uh, I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about having Dybala leave. Uh, he was a Juventino through and through. At least he didn't go to Inter, which, <laughs> you know, that, that was at least a, 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 my my happy uh, place there. But they should have known what they were getting. They were getting a player that's incredibly prone to injury. And that makes it really hard when you're planning your your, well, your overall season, but also in those, like, mid-peaks of the season, right? where you're midway through the season, intensity is starting to ratchet up, and you're perhaps facing more games in the schedule, right? You can't possibly 
have a player that's quote unquote your star if they're just not on the lineup on a consistent basis. Yeah, it's just not 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 a it doesn't work. Is he's just not reliable, and it's no. it's sad because everyone of course wants to see him. I mean, the opening uh, ceremony that they had when he signed, it, it was unbelievable. It was awesome. Like it is exactly what you want out of the Roman clubs. Bring in the pizzazz, the high profile, exciting players. Get the rivalry going. Get them beating up against the Milans, the Juventus, Napoli, Atalanta, all of them. But when he's not on the field, it's just like, all right, like now you're really the sixth or seventh best team in Italy. And right. Lazio are leaving you in the dust. It's it's sad when that sentence comes out of your mouth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when Lazio is a team that is leaving you in the dust, you've, you've really, you, you do have to do some soul searching, right? Because you look at the table last season, and this includes Inter, this includes Atalanta, in my view. Uh, Lazio was second. Yeah. And mind you, this is a typical Lazio, right? Uh, they show up and then still find a way to choke at some point in the big moments. But anyways, but they gave themselves they a, a they gave themselves a cushion that yeah. when push came to shove at the end of the season, Inter Lazio game they got a lead. Inter came back, won the game, but it didn't break them because they already comfortably were there. They ease like no one was sweating about Lazio making top four at the end of the year. Were they one of the best four teams in? Serie A? Probably not, but at the end of the day, no. like like I said earlier with Milan two years ago, yep. over 38 games they were. The, the table right. doesn't lie. That's all that matters at the end of the day, right? I mean, when you consider some of the some of the photo finishes, right, from uh, a few years back, uh, four years back at, at this point, when Napoli was chasing Juve, right? And they were sort of, we were neck and neck. Photo finish is what you want to see at the end of the season. Yeah. As a fan, that that's the biggest, best present you can get. Because it, it means that the, the seasons, there's no waste, right? There, every game matters. Um, last season had some of that. You know, granted, no one really, you know, no one had a question about Napoli finishing first. <laughs> no, we were, we they were crowned in February. Yeah. That, it wasn't. That get, it no, wasn't close. It was not a fair season. <laughs> Inter beat them. I mean, Inter beat them in January and immediately lost like multiple games over the next couple, and it was done and dusted. Which which sort of brings me to my next question for you. I mean, looking at this table right now, this table means nothing at this point, right? Agreed. I mean, we're we're three games in. It means absolutely nothing. Like I don't think if Lecce ends up there, <laughs> fourth place by the end of the season. I might have to reconsider my life choices. I, hey, I don't know. I mean, Lamet Banda has looked really good for Leite. He's went zero goals, two assists, but but still, he's looked good. And you know that's what you want out of the smaller clubs. No offense to Leite, but like last year, like Colombo and Jolmond were those guys that I was always watching. I was like, all right, these guys, I can see some flaring them let's see it like mm -hmm. and now you're hoping um with bonda to give you that flair with them because jolman's in turkey i believe um
But yeah, I mean, if they can punch above their weight, maybe they get to that eighth, ninth spot. Maybe, Agreed. maybe even that like seventh place conference league with how the Champions League has put four, potentially five spots. So the trickle down effect for how many teams Italy gets could be huge. I mean the uh, the the sheer impact of I, I think this is a, and, and this is something that I, I think is severely undervalued by a lot of Serie A fans I've, I've had conversations with um, that bottom half of the table. If that doesn't get stronger, it just never matters how good the top half of the table is. I agree. Yeah, and that's that's really why the EPL is currently the most valuable and proclaimed best league in the world. Absolutely. Like their smaller teams are big teams. West Ham came in like 16th last year and won the conference league. Now the conference league isn't some like great trophy, but it's, it's a trophy and shout out to West Ham. They did a great job. They beat Fiorentina. Fiorentina ain't no slouch. But that's the, no. those are the teams you need, your middle-of-the-pack teams and like mm-hmm. starting to get close to that relegation zone. Once they start performing, they push the big the big guns, and then the big guns get like better that way too. Well, absolutely. I completely agree. It's uh that's sort of what, what's disappointing about last season, right? Because we we for the I think it was the first time, I might be wrong, but I think it was the first time ever. The three Italian teams were in each major uh, final competition, European competition final. And not to come away with one trophy was ridiculous. I mean, it kind of says everything that needs to be said about the state of Serie A currently. Yeah. And Italian football. Fiorentina definitely should have beat West Ham. They Absolutely. The first 45 minutes, they played much better footy. Um, but at the end of the day, like in a cup game, a one-off at – one goal is going to change everything. So you got to actually get it. You can't just look good. It's not about how you look over one game. It's, it's a one-off. That's why like for Inter, they looked great. They played, their game plan was magnificent. They had one moment of where they switched off Hakan and uh, Darmian both froze and Rodri puts it in the back of that bang, one, nothing. And then Lukaku happened, but that is what it is, but <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to take yeah. your chances. You do, you do, absolutely. I mean, I'd, I I will say though, uh, if we can get gutsy performances like that, the the Inter versus Man City performance was uh, what I want to see in football in general. Period. They played their game. Period. Yeah, like it didn't matter that Man City were on the other side. They weren't thinking about, oh, this is Man City. This is a boogeyman knocking at my door. No, it was a, it was a great I, I, performance. They in the familiarity aspect where City isn't really too familiar with the three five two, that helps. But Inter just played so well, and I mean it's one nothing. So when people look at that scoreline, they're not going to be like, "Wow, like Inter really showed them." But they played <laughs> yeah. really well. Where like there wasn't many chances that City got that. We're like, wow, that had to go in. Bernardo Silva missed a shot early on that DeMarco just kept backpedaling. It looked like he was just going to walk into his own net. Um, And like Holland had a half chance, but 
none were really like, yep, that's got to go in the net. And then, yeah, Inter just missed their chances. But, you know, at the very minimum, I, I can say that uh, Inter this season have, have sort of learned some of those lessons, I think, from that game. Uh, a, they gave up on Lukaku, I think, at the right time. <laughs> they were like, you know what? No, you, you wanted to go, you know, talk to Juve. As a Juve fan, I couldn't have cared less if he came over to us. But I see the point. If I was an Inter fan, I'd be livid. So I think they made the right moves this offseason. So far, so I good. think picking up Turam was amazing. Turam has been great. He, his passing, his movement, his connection so far with Lataro, with Dumfries, it, it's looked really worked well. And the big difference over the first three games that I've noticed is Inter are killing games off. Against Monza last year, they didn't kill the game off. Uh, like against the smaller teams, they just didn't find a way to get that insurance goal. Well, it mm-hmm. just felt like it always felt like that tie goal, like that tying goal was was coming. And yeah. two nothing to Monza, two nothing to Cagliari, four nothing to Fiorentina. You couldn't ask for a better start. No, I completely agree. I mean, that, uh, when you consider that Inter have eight goals that they've scored this, this so far this season, they've given up nothing thus far. So three shutouts. I mean, that that's a that's the start to the season you want. You want to start a season where your defense is sort of setting the tone for your for the rest of your team, because, and and I know this is not you know sort of uh, universal belief here, but. If your defense can set the tone for you, it really does help your offense the rest of the season. When you're not chasing the ball or you're not feeling like you're constantly having to chase the ball because, you know, your team's buried in the standings, it does weigh, lift your 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 forwards uh sort of weight off their backs. Yeah. It lets them run a little more freely. Yeah. What do you what do you make yeah, of it? Yeah, I mean, Lotaro has certainly upped his level, but it is nice that when for Inter there's there's pressure, but at the same time, they're controlling the tempo. And you talk about how they haven't conceded a goal. They don't even have Pavard starting yet. Which So, like, Darmian is playing right center back, but now Pavard comes in, he'll play that spot. And now that's crucial depth at right center back and right back. And is Pavard better in Skirnier? No. But... It's a solid replacement. I wouldn't say great because Skriniar, for me, is really, really good in that elite level. Pavard's Mm -hmm. just a very solid defender. He's not going to lose you a game, but he's probably not going to put you to that elite level. No, no. But he's supposed to be that that solid player that fills in uh, because you did lose a pretty big player, like you just mentioned. I, I mean, to, to sort of pivot and start, because we've spoken for, for a while about the, the, the season mm-hmm. recap, so to speak, um, and sort of pivoting all this conversation to, to looking forward. With Pavard not even starting yet for Inter, I mean, if, if sort of you've got Pavard, you've got Fratesi yet to play, uh, start anyway, sorry. Um, there's no reason not to have a bright outlook Especially given that you're an Inter fan. I mean, you're, you must be licking your chops at this point. I feel very good. And at, at the same time, it's hard to say, like, we feel 
amazing going into the Derby because Milan looks just as good. So it's tough to know. And even when this game, when the Derby's come, you throw out the table. It doesn't matter. It's a one-off. It's it's going to be an electric atmosphere. Always is. But it's going to be interesting. Fertesi scores two goals today for Italy and hasn't started a game yet. Mkhitaryan has that spot locked down apparently. So it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. At some point, that's going to change. It's just more of when. But it'll be interesting because like Inzaghi loves using the same 11 all the time. <laughs> yeah. So it'll yeah, at some point, he's going to have to make that change from the hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Champions League fixture is coming up. So there is going to be rotation. Of course. But we'll see. I mean, this Inter-Milan game, I mean, it's always uh, probably the second most popular derby in Italy, right? Uh, outside of Derby d'Italia. Yeah, um, you could say that. You know, the, the Derby della Madonnina is is sort of the, 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 the moment where I think the rest of Italy does stop, though. Because when you have those two fans in the stands, the passion, the electricity in the atmosphere, I mean... Yes, Milan were completely asleep at the wheel during their two legs against Inter in the Champions League. And boy, were they sleeping. It was beautiful. But the, the before, before game, the atmosphere was electric. Like, there is nothing like that atmosphere. Nothing. Nope. And I mean, this is a regular season, but they, I don't even think they know it's a regular season. They treat it as like if it's a Champions League final every time. Which makes it special. I agree. To switch the the sides of, of that, you know, I think we've we've talked a lot about Inter's strengths. To flip that a little bit, talking about Milan's weaknesses, and and now I'm gonna be that pessimistic guy for a second, just be like, well, I've got this nagging feeling about this Milan's Milan team's ability to defend. I've got I've got concerns there. What do you make of those those gaps? That's fair. Uh, for this fixture, Tomori's out because he's on a red. So that'll be interesting to see how they yeah. will Kalulu start um, or how they're going to replace him. Um, Kyra could start. Um, Good. But again, it's just not speed. And that's the problem. Like, you got Taram, Lotaro, uh, Dumfries who are just going to connect and try and beat you on a counter if you throw bodies forward. And that's exactly what Milan want to do with Teao and Leao. They want to overlap. They want to like beat you with those combinations. And now with the midfield, mm-hmm. like Loftus-Cheek and Reinders are joining in, Polisic's thrown in. So it's like everyone's going forward. And at some point, mm-hmm. Inter's going to counter. And it'll be very interesting to see how they – deal with it without Tamori. Um, because every time it just feels like Kyer is just like spinning like a top, like a turnstile. Yeah. They're just going right through. <laughs> it. Uh, you're totally right. And I mean, I, for me, it begs a, a big question because you've got Hernandez, whom I love. I mean, I think he's arguably the best right back. I'm sorry, left back in Europe. That's fair. Yeah. However, 
he's not exactly known for his defense, right? That's not the thing he's sort of uh, praised for. It's his offense, his ability to produce up top, his ability to connect uh, and go on sort of uh, overlapping runs, which is it's fantastic. When that happens, you're like, amazing. You, you love to see that. But that leaves a gap, right? So if he's not coming back, what do you do when a player like Di Marco, who is high energy, high work rate, is just charging at you and then let's say inter are overloading on that side right because you would argue that's their stronger side right yeah inter's uh, you know right side is a stronger side what do you do if you're milan if you've got Kiara and uh, kululu i mean you gotta have your mids have got to work their butt off loftus cheek krunic grinders they got they gotta work and leao and pulisic they gotta come back it's just it's a team effort for what they're gonna have to do, and same vice versa for Inter. Those mids are gonna have to work. The battle is gonna be in the midfield and the wingers. So you gotta work, and whoever is gonna want it more is gonna hopefully find out like who's gonna win. Um, you'll have the three center backs, two wing backs for Inter coming back, but all mids. You'll see T- Toro pressing, Taram pressing. It'll be a full-on team effort by both 11s. No, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And you're absolutely right. The I, I agree it's going to be full-out team blitz. Uh, it has to be because Milan do have to – I think they're the weaker of the two teams. I think Inter are the more complete of the two teams. Uh, Inter have a far more complete midfield for one. And I think the midfield for Inter tends to go back more, more often, tends to be more willing to, to come back. Um, Pulisic is going to have to track back if, if he, I'm not just calling him out because he hasn't, it's just more about, I think all of these players, Leao, Pulisic, um, Loftus-Cheek, they're going to have to go back and forth a lot. Now this is where the training comes in, right? Are they being overtrained or are they, are they tired? This is where all that's going to show up, what their physiques uh, are like at this point in the season. But yeah. That might have a huge impact. Yeah, and we're on international break. So, like, Pulisic has a game today. How many right. minutes he gets? Um, I haven't looked at Portugal, but they played – what is it? So it's the 12th. I think they play – they played yesterday and Leao played. So it's again, yes. now it's like we're still early in the season. These guys are playing what should be once a week, but now twice a week. And then they have another game next week, like midweek. Like Milan is home to Newcastle, enters away to Sociedad. So it's right. not like, oh, we have nothing to look forward to after this game. Even though all eyes are on this game, all focus is on this game, there's still not a lot of rest to go into that next window. Absolutely. I mean, they're, 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 I mean we've, we've had conversations in the past about, uh, I think, FIFA allowing for way too many games. Uh, there's way too much going on per week for these players. It's ridiculous. Uh, I'm getting tired watching it. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's a lot. To be perfectly frank. I, I will say the summer was great. I I was like, thankfully, yes. we got a month and a half off of just like stress-free. Absolutely. Like, 
being in a Champions League final, like watching that as a fan is great. Like yeah. obviously that's like the pinnacle. You want to win Champions League. But boy, is that a stressful experience. I just hate every second of it. It's just not fun. Absolutely. It's not fun. No one should like no, it's not. want to have that feeling of just stress the entire game. It's just like, all right, great. There's going to be something bad happen or absolute euphoria. Fortunately. Yeah, you're just kind of like running along the yeah. thin line. It's just right? like... You're either going to up or down. Yep, you're just like either it's going to be extreme awesomeness or extreme like heartbreak for inter that w- heartbreak. But I feel like you, you know, that, that was a proud moment. I feel like if that was my team, I I'd have a proud moment there because they played their hearts out. Uh, it was one zero man city just had a little more quality, but, just a little but that's quality. the thing. Like it was great. Like it was a great game and they performed wonderful, but there was no moment that was like positive. It was, that's it was, fair. Stress, 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 halftime. Yeah. Stress, stress, bang. Rodri goal. And then you're like, all right, great. Now we got to hope to equalize. Not even to win. It just equalize. You yeah. were just hoping stay 0-0 as long as you can and then get it. Unfortunately, City got it. And yeah, so there's like looking back, yeah, I'm happy about how they played. I think they showed, wow, we're not so slouch team, but at the end of the day, there was no like, there was no happy moment for me in that, in that game. That's fair. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. Um, I, I think we were talking about then if they had scored, maybe the story would be a little different, right? Because you sort of put Man City on their back heels. And I'm not saying this always happens, but Man City and Pep, have this, I think, bad habit of at times when they fall on their back heels, they have a hard time at times getting back up. It almost like it's a shock. Like they can't quite put the finger on what just happened. Um, it's happened a bunch of times during the, champion, the past Champions League runs uh, where they've been knocked out and you sort of are left there wondering why is this team that's had, I mean, they have talent like I've never seen on a team before. Like it seems like every position <laughs> is is just, just world class loaded. But anyways, this is not a prem conversation or prem podcast, so let's get away from that. Ew. Um, <laughs> jokes aside, let's uh, maybe b- bounce off to to the my my favorite upcoming fixture, Juve and Lazio, and just you know a couple a couple of bits of bad news. Uh, there for uh, for me as a Juve fan. A, I just want to point out Pogba, the whole situation there. Like, we don't know much about that outside of the fact that he tested positive for testosterone that was not produced by his body. I, apparently, they're running the second sample right now, so they're gonna we're gonna get word once that's done. So we'll see there. But I'm just going to say this as a Juve fan after last season, what in the hell are we supposed to do with this highly paid star who can't even start a game? Like, I I don't even know what to do. Yeah, it's just, it's not the reunion you wanted. And it has gone horribly. He was hurt immediately. And then... He gets back, and I mean, look, there's no excuse to ever use BDs. 
whatsoever. But it makes sense. The guy's been hurt for years and is just, he just wants to get back to playing football every day. And problem that you have is you have games every three days and you got to be fit. And he hasn't been fit. Um, And it's just unfortunate. It really is. I mean, I I was looking forward to it. Uh, It, it's unfortunate that it's come down to this. I agree with you. I think it's a human moment. I don't think we necessarily need to be like harsh on Pogba. I mean, you know, he's a human being just like the rest of us just has, you know, more money, which, you know, it'd be great if we all had it, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but he is a human being at the end of the day, right? He's got to wake up and this is his job. And I can't imagine if someone told me I can't do my job, right? It would, it would hurt if there was some sort of uh, limitation like that place on my life. So, it, it makes sense why he would ever resort to that. Uh, that quadriceps injury where he tore his quadricep muscle in that game against Cremonese, I think it was, last season, was not a good moment. And that, that injury really nagged him the rest of the way. Uh, it, it just never seemed to get better. That aside, though, the other negative part of this, we're playing Lazio. Uh, this team has just kind of been lifeless this season. Like, dull. Three points is all they've gotten from three games. Yeah, I mean, it, it I, I really don't, I comes, don't know what to make of it. It comes down to what Lazio are we going to get? Are we going to get the Lazio that just took it to the champions in Napoli? Or are we going to get the team that lost to Genoa and Lecce? So it's just like, that's the big question. Which one of Sari's team are we going to get? I completely agree. I mean, I, I I feel as though Lotito did not do a great job of balancing his team after losing Milinkovic Savic, who was the heart of that midfield, the heart of that team. Yes, you still have Luis Alberto, but he's not exactly been seeing the best of his days. Uh, then you've got Immobile, who just I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm not even quite sure what to say about Immobile anymore. I, I don't. I, I've said I think everything over the past since the Euros. I, I just don't understand what to make of this guy. I don't know. He is still a very good striker. He just isn't for Italy. So he's good, great for Lazio. Um, but like That's to fair. go off what losing SMS has been and will be a big loss for them. Kamada isn't that same type of player. Kamada is a good player in his own right. But yes. this is, we're talking about SMS who was, we were asking for a hundred mil, 140 mil mm-hmm. on a transfer fee. And finally he leaves, but it's to Saudi Arabia. Sad. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But it's going to be interesting. How are they going to fill that and get the consistency from that? Um, but Guendouzi is a good signing, but yeah, he was young at Arsenal and That's he right. was fine at Marseille. He wasn't anything what he was supposed to be. But then again, he's still 24, so he could turn into something. And that feels like what Lazio has been doing is just like budget buys that are with potential and that they got Absolutely. second last year. So, Hey, 
they did something right. Oh, that's fair. Uh, they, I mean, they did get second last year, but I feel like we got the, uh, we, we got the, the second or the first Lazio rather the, the one with the really high quality games. Uh, and, and it's that, that's a problem with them though. It's like every season you ask, which Lazio are we getting? Like you mentioned earlier, you, you nailed it with that because, uh, that is really what Lazio are. And I want them to succeed. Uh, as a Serie A fan, I mean, I am a Juve fan first and foremost, but I want Serie A to be successful because our league needs to grow. Our league needs more revenue from TV rights um, that we can share into the lower teams. And I think our, our revenue sharing agreements need to improve and all that. But none of that can happen unless the bottom part of the league is fed more money because those teams are very volatile. And that includes, to be to be perfectly frank, that includes Lazio as well. Um, but that's a conversation for, I think, another podcast. We can talk about the finances of the entire league for, for uh, <laughs> yes, an hour plus. Uh, but let's move on, switch uh, to the Fiorentina-Atalanta game. The, the, probably the third most important game in this upcoming slate of fixtures. What are you uh, What are you making of this? What What do you expect to happen? Of all the games, I mean, it's probably the one you want to watch as a neutral. Sure, That's the right. Milan Derby has that Derby feel, the hate, all the vibes in the stadium. But this game has all the vibes on the field. There's going to be goals <laughs> on goals on goals. Like, it's going to end 4-3 or something. And, like, <laughs> Italiano is... Like, yep, we're going to play all offense, no defense. Let's have a great time. Unfortunately, against Inter for Fiorentina, it was no offense, no defense. And they got smacked. But both teams, like six goals in the first three games. Of course, six goals in two games for Fiorentina, their first two. Um, They're both good, solid teams that represent – the top middle of Serie A. And it'll be a very exciting game. I, again, I, I'll probably say like a 3-2, 4-3 game. High scoring vibes. I'm totally with you. I am totally with you. Uh, this When I saw this uh, on the fixture list, I just thought goals. I just saw, like just visualized the ball flying into the back of net pretty much every time. And I just pictured uh, the defend, defense just sitting there drinking their espressos because that's pretty much all they're going to do. Uh, <laughs> these teams do not have, you know, very great defenses by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but then again, why they don't have to, right? When their offense is constantly chugging along as well as it is, why would you need to focus on that? Now that we've sort of discussed those three key fixtures, I, I think... Let's uh, let's focus a little bit on the Champions League fixtures that are coming up, right? We've got the big one. We've talked about Milan already, of course, but this is a big reunion. Uh, Tonali is going to be on the same field as his very recently former team. Like they, I mean, he was just with them. Shock transfer. He apparently did not expect it. Didn't like it. What are we going to see? Yeah, I mean. Not only is this like a awesome matchup, you get Tonali first game back. He's at the Sin Zero in the Champions League, but you got the group of death for Milan is just devastating. Yeah. And yeah. 
Newcastle was uh, the one team you just wanted to avoid. Pot four. Yep. No one had that type of level. But it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a battle of the midfield, similar to what it is for in, like with Inter against Milan. Bruno G and Tonali versus Milan's midfield. It'll be very interesting to see. Um, Isak versus the back line. And Almiron's been hurt, so it'll probably be Anthony Gordon who lines up at winger. But again, it's just it'll be a very interesting matchup where how will the Milan defense hold? Who wins the midfield? Just feel like that's the question we're going to ask all year with Milan. I completely agree. Uh, their defense is their biggest vulnerability, and uh, you're you're right. Unless they unless they take some opportunities in the winter transfer market uh, when that opens up, if, unless they do something to fix it, uh, I don't know what's going to change this question uh, for the rest of the season. I, I think this Newcastle Milan matchup, as much as you know, it's not ideal for Milan. I think it it was probably one of the best decisions, incidental decisions. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's per it's exactly I mean, it's, what you would have drawn up. It would be like, yep, absolutely. I want this, and you got like other big teams in the group. It's just perfect. It's the history, everything about it. And it'll be, will Tenali melt in the moment or will he have mm-hmm. one of those, like he scored on Newcastle's opening game. Is it going to be one of those where will he, if he scores, will he celebrate? That'll right, be, right. That'll, yeah. that'd be something if he just went nuts and after he scored, <laughs> oof, I would, I yeah. think he will be respectful and just put the hands he up will. for sure. I mean, he's Italian, so it's, you have to, but mm-hmm. That would not be a good look if he scored and all of a sudden went like right to the corner flag with like a big celebration. I think he'd hear I, it. I mean, he oh, would definitely yeah. hear it. And I need that to happen. That would not that would go well. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about that episode. If that's oh, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's pivot on to the sort of uh, the, the Inter matchup um, to with Sociedad. I feel like this should be a, an Inter victory. I know Sociedad can be a tricky team to play. Not a 100% given for anyone, but this should be an Inter victory, I think. What do you make of that? Yeah, Inter should win this group. It's, I mean, it's Pots Inter, so nothing's ever going to be easy. Uh, <laughs> this is probably one of their harder fixtures at Sociedad, at Benfica. So really, if you get a draw out of it, that's... That's basically a win. But if you get a win, that's, of course, amazing. Um, they haven't lost yet so far this season. They're 1-3-0. Nothing impressive. But they've played Girona, Celta Vigo, Las Palmas, and Granada. So not exactly stiff competition. No, um, no not at all. But again, you're going to have Inter coming off a derby That's Mm -hmm. a lot of emotional effort, physical effort. How are they going to respond to that? Sociedad Mm -hmm. has Madrid. So, again, not exactly an easy one. Um, No. Interval of an extra day rest because they play on Saturday and Sociedad play on Sunday. So, again, let's see how they rotate. Will they rest for Madrid? Will they rest a few guys for Inter? 
But if you want to get out of the group, I'd say home against Inter is a game that you circle. That's Absolutely. what you need to get done. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I completely agree. Uh, this, I mean, this should not be a difficult matchup for for Inter. The group as a whole is is really just kind of Inter's to lose uh, at this point. And switching to uh, another, I, I say interesting in, with air quotes here because. I'm hoping that Napoli have no trouble here. Uh, I remember seeing Braga play against uh, the Greek Super League team, Panathinaikos, during the uh, Champions League qualification rounds, and they barely made it out of that two leg. Panathinaikos gave them a lot of trouble. That doesn't exactly uh, make you a Braga fan, uh, considering the way they played. They won by one goal. I mean, granted, they stole a victory. Like that, that is what happens in soccer, but. Nonetheless, uh, I don't think Napoli should be threatened by Braga at all. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, it's also hard to know what we're going to get with Napoli. Napoli shouldn't should easily <laughs> win this game, but it's you got Garcia coaching now mm-hmm. and no Kim and Jay, which is a bigger loss than I think people anticipate. Um, you're on the road. Portuguese sides are tough places go and beat on the road. So again, I think this is a fixture that if you're Napoli, you get out of there with a point and you're happy. Just Mm -hmm. don't lose the game. And that's kind of how I feel with them. Braga, Mm -hmm. like I spoke to a friend who's a big Benfica Portuguese um, league fan, and he says they're a big offensive team. So it'll be interesting to see how Napoli counteract with that. Of course, Kavara, Osman, are their own offensive power in their own right. No, oh, of course. I mean, they, they, they can present issues if you, if you, if I, at least the way I see it is they can present issues, but if Napoli are able to come right out of the gate, right at the beginning of the game, just swinging, that makes it much more difficult for Braga to become composed, right? Especially as a team that's definitely the lesser of the two. For sure. Uh, I think if you set the tone, you, you've got the game if you're not. Yeah. And like I said, with the circling fixtures, if you're Braga, this is one you're thinking about. You got Absolutely. Real Madrid in the group. So really, even though Napoli was pot one, everyone thinks of Madrid as that top team in that group. They are a wagon. So you're not looking yes. at the, oh, Madrid fixtures. You're mm-hmm. looking at the Napoli fixtures and the Union Berlin fixtures from a Braga perspective. Same with Napoli, vice versa. Like these are the ones that you need. You need to get, you can't be dropping point, like three points. You have to be getting a result on the road and then winning at home every time. Absolutely. So that's, what's going to be interesting. It'll be, even though it's game one, if it's tied late, you might see Mm -hmm. Braga risking more than Napoli who might be like, all right, let's hold, let's don't risk anything because we're going to be okay flying home with a point. I completely agree. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, there is, a, I think, a lot more pressure on Napoli in this game. And I think in this group in general, because we do, obviously, a lot of fans, their fans, we as well have the expectations for them. They should be finishing at the very minimum second. You could argue that they should finish or could finish first at, at the very minimum as well. You know, if they switch with Real, I mean, it's not unforeseen, right? This is, is a good team. Um, 
but the pressure sometimes can make the best of teams crumble. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, last year they, they took it to their group and they knocked out uh, Liverpool. So yeah, absolutely. So why can't they do Madrid? Um, exactly. So it'll be interesting. It'll, I'm sure when you look at the groups, you're going to, if you're in Napoli, you're like, yeah, I want to come in first, obviously. Um, but they can, yeah. I'm, Last year, they proved they can play with anyone. Why can't they this year? We'll find out. It'll be a, I mean, I think there's some magical fixtures to be had uh, in this Champions League roundup. It's going to be a great group stage, I think, all, all in all. Um, but uh, switching to uh, the, the last um, last team on our list to cover here would be uh, Lazio uh, playing at home against Atletico Madrid. Big game. What do you make of this fixture? I, I mean, mean, what do you make of the the edge? Who's got the edge? Who's got the the life? <sighs> Atleti look good. I know we like everyone thinks of Simeone and the counter attack, park the bus, but through three games, ten goals. That's pretty good. They've only conceded once, but like that's that is some vibes footy. And did the, they won seven nothing in one game? But if you get the Jao Felix, um, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know if that transfer actually happened. If he went to Barcelona, did we? Did that ha- end up happening? I don't know that he did. I don't think it but, did. No, uh, I think he. He's still waiting. I would say Atleti are the better better side. Um, Diego Lorente or Marcos Lorente. Find out real quick. Marco, I think it's Marcos Lorente. Yeah. Yeah, Marcus Lorente is so good. Yeah. And, I mean, you got the immortal Alvaro Morata, who <laughs> might play, you know, Depay, Griezmann. It's at Udinese's own DePaul. Um, very solid team. Not elite, oh, absolutely. but they are nothing no. to just scoff at. And Oh, absolutely. At Lazio, so, again, this is a fixture that Lazio is thinking – we got to have three points, even though their group is a little weaker with Celtic mm-hmm. and Feyenoord. Even though Feyenoord, I think, will surprise some people. So, again, it's going to – ideally, it's going to come down to Atleti and Feyenoord with Lazio. If you're getting knocked off by Celtic at this point, no offense to Celtic fans, that's that's <laughs> a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. I mean, this uh... – this game does. You're right. I agree with you. Uh, Atletico does have the edge. Uh, Lazio. I could see Lazio pulling out a victory here, though, because Atletico also have these odd games where they they just kind of don't show up. They forget they're playing, and uh, they leave their soccer skills at home. But we'll see what happens. I think it'll either way. It should be a good game if both teams show up and Sadi creates a good game plan. It should be a good game. And uh, I think they're probably the group winners. Uh, or the group, really? you know, first and second. Oh, okay. okay. I think they are. Uh, I think Lazio should be second. I should will be. disagree with that. Interesting. I think it's Letty and Feyenoord get through. I just don't... I think... Interesting. It's tough for Lazio. Like, yes, they came in second, but they were playing Conference League last year. So... Yeah. They didn't really have to prioritize it. You have to play your best in Champions League or you're going to get knocked out. 
especially when you're a mid team, like mid tier team Mm -hmm. for Champions League terms. So I just think it's going to be tough for them, tough sledding. They'll get that third spot. You might be right. Third spot, they'll fall down to Europa League. That's still okay, but it is. That's one advantage that, like, in overarching schemes, I think Juventus has for not playing European football. No offense. Oh, absolutely. I think that that'll be the uh, that'll probably be the the saving grace for the season. Uh, you you got a good point though. Uh, you are right. I maybe I am underestimating Feyenoord. Uh, they, they are a notoriously tough team to beat, and they they give City Out teams all kinds of trouble uh, every time we play them. Uh, they're they're a chippy team as well, so you, you really have to watch that physicality. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we'll talk more about it, of course, once once that game uh, you know happens. Hopefully, we'll have a hell of a fixture so all four of those games go well, and we'll have more to talk about. I think that is a good point to leave that conversation about the Champions League off. Uh, let's do one more thing, and let's just do our first round ever of our predictions and conclusions, our takeaways for the for this past week and the coming week. What what let let's have you begin. What what are your predictions, conclusions? Milan Derby and Lazio uh, Juventus. I would guess draw if I had to. I just think Milan-Inter is going to be an interesting game. It's probably a high-scoring draw. They'll have blow for blow. Um, If one team was going to win, I would pick Inter. I'm biased there, but I just think the defense is there. Uh, Juventus, I would say a low-scoring draw, like a 1-1-0-0. Maybe Juventus pulls out a 1-0. Because that's their the Allegri special at this point. Um, Vlavic looks good, and he does. I saw Chiesa might be hurt, so that's not ideal. Um, yeah, no, if that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I would I would lean draw there. Like I said earlier, with the four three 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 with uh, Atalanta Fiorentina, that's a vibes game. Big question marks for Roma. That's for sure. They have to deliver and get three points. If they don't against Empoli, I mean, at some point, you're not even a top seven team in the league. And for Roma and Mourinho, that's a bad look. No, it's it's definitely time. I mean, I, I think the pressure at this point is probably starting. But if they keep playing like this, even if they win this coming week, but then keep playing inconsistently for the rest of the season. I mean, Mourinho's name is going to be up as far as getting canned, right? So, unfortunately, I don't see them coming out of this hole. I think Roma is just a a team that is just in this transitionary period, uh, and they're also, unfortunately, being led by someone who's kind of a chaos monger (laughs) in Mourinho. Um, I, I just don't see them coming out of it. As far as uh, just a few quick predictions, I see uh, Inter winning uh, the the Derby della Madonnina. Uh, I'd say just probably three two is what three, I would say. Two. Three two would be my scoreline there. Nice high scoring, uh, high scoring game. Yeah, I know it, it, it's wild, but I'm just going out on a limb because of the offensive uh, power on both both fronts. Um, and then as far as Juve Lazio, I picture if Chiesa plays, I picture probably uh, 3-0 uh, Juve. Wow. If Chiesa plays, because uh, I think Lazio is just a mess. 
I, I don't I don't know how else to put it. I mean, they're just not been convincing to me every time I've seen them. Fair. Uh, and then finally, moving on to Fiorentina and, and Atalanta, uh, I think Atlanta have the have the slight edge. I think they ought to be able to beat them probably four three. Another high scoring event, um, just because they, I think they do have a better defense, slightly better, not that much better. That's fair. Uh, but additionally, I think predictions for the for the league. I think it should be an exciting week. I'm also just looking at the fixture list and just trying to see what what that one surprise is going to be for this coming week. And it's hard to really see, you know, because you could, you, you can't really, I mean, if, if Monza upset Lecce, that's a bit surprising at this point in time. I don't think, I mean, table wise. Yes. But I feel like that's a pick em game. That's not really too wild. A Cogliari Udinese. Interesting. That's a, a little lunchtime kickoff that, has relegation vibes around it. Yeah. So fair. that'll be interesting. Should be a good week of uh good week of action here. I mean, and we we're beginning Saturday morning early, uh 9 a.m. right off uh right off the bat with Juve and Lazio. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll have plenty to talk about, I think, uh next week. For sure. It'll be great. And uh with that, I think we are wrapped. We can wrap now for our first episode. Podcast number one down. That's right. It's in the bag. Thank you to whoever is listening to this. Uh, appreciate the one, two, five, maybe thousands of people who listen to this episode. Um, make us famous, please. Jokes aside, thank you for joining. Robbie, it was a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Great commentary. And uh, with that, my name is Christian. I'm Robbie. And we will see you back next week. For Zinter. Thank you for listening. What's a Juve? Oh, no, Inter. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao.